We continue on, talk some NFL draft, go around the NFL a little bit. Speculation continues to surround the Indianapolis Colts, picking in the top five. Casey Valier's along. I'm Matt Taylor. We're on Radio Row right now at the Combine, joined by Mike Renner, lead NFL draft analyst for Pro Football Focus. Again, one of the best in the biz. Look at all of his stuff, the mock drafts. You hit the refresh button to see what Mike's got going on. <laughs> yep. It's good to meet you and talk to you for the first time. Thanks a lot for the opportunity here. That was quite the intro. I, I don't know about all that. I didn't I even thank script you it either. <laughs> oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Um, well, first off, Mike, I mean, like you said, you're based in Cincinnati there with Pro Football Focus. Um, what's going on for you at the Combine? What are you guys tracking as you make that short drive over on I-74? So doing a lot of doing a lot of this, doing a lot of talking to different teams around the NFL, Doing, going to go to some of the podiums here this week, um, ask some questions that I've been, you know, stewing on for some of these players if I want to know some stuff. But, yeah, just basically excited to see these guys test. And, you know, you have a handle on who they are as athletes, have a handle on – I think you have to come in here with like an idea of who all these players are first before you look at that data. And then what you do, it's, uh, you know, is it, did they exceed your expectations? Then yep. you go back and watch the tape one way or the other, or did they not meet your expectations? And then you go back and check the tape and see, was he, you know, not as high end athlete right. as I thought. Hey, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about you for, for a second. What, what year did you graduate Notre Dame? 2012. Okay. Did, did you know then as a player that you wanted to get into this and, and sort of scout and, you know, the football analytics of everything? I never played football. I, I didn't even – at my high school, it was so small, we didn't even have a football team. So uh, I was a basketball player. Uh-huh. Tried to play basketball there at Notre Dame. Did not get – got cut in the walk-on tryouts my uh, <laughs> junior and senior year after they asked me to come on. But, uh, no, uh, I uh, always loved football. And I think the fact that I didn't get to play was, like, what drew me to – the game as like drew me to going to PFF after college because I would obs- like the fact that I never got to play you never get scratched that itch I was like right. obsessed over uh-huh. uh, the game of football that's fantastic yeah. yeah and then you turn that into again lead draft analyst at Pro Football Focus man yeah. doing this for eleven years my eleventh year at wow. PFF so I was there one of the OGs. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now, even now, even in that short amount of time, I mean, how have you seen the combine just explode? And he was growing then, but yeah. it's it's certainly not what it is now. Eleven years later, well, combine just the draft in general, mm-hmm. the interest around it. it. It used to be, you know, March before even people are talking about the draft. Yeah. People are talking about the draft in November. October. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Week six, your team's out of it. You're yeah. doing right. mock drafts. Yeah. Six, right? Listen, where were we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Well, who are you talking to right now? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a different animal. And I think it's the interest of the game, too. Like people, yeah. the fandom has grown to another level just around the NFL that people are very invested in team building. All right. You have... I was looking. You have Will Levis ahead of C.J. Stroud on your big board yes. at quarterback. What's going on? Tell me why. <laughs> uh, this quarterback class is interesting because it's very eye of the beholder. Uh, there's, to me, Bryce Young's like far and away the best, but it's he's five, you know, maybe five eleven, five ten, six foot. Like he's in that range and he's under two hundred pounds, and that's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. But outside of that, to me, on field, it's like it's him and then the rest of the guys. But Will Levis is just. He's that difficult quarterback to evaluate, similar to what Daniel Jones was coming out, similar to what Josh Allen was coming out, where the situation's so bad that you can throw the stats out the window because you drop in prime Peyton Manning into that offense, and he's not putting up numbers that look like C.J. Stroud's numbers. It's just impossible to do at the collegiate level when you don't have guys who are getting open and you have an offensive line that's got you under pressure almost 40% of your dropbacks. and. Uh, so he really wasn't given an opportunity to succeed, and I think he did the best in a bad situation. And 
kind of look at his tape and have an easy projection to the NFL because it'll be almost easier in ways for him next year uh, at the NFL level, which is a rarity to say. Uh, so he can hit the NFL and like things will almost slow down to a degree or he'll have more options than he ever did at Kentucky. Whereas for a guy like C.J. Stroud, being under pressure as little as he was, some of the massive pockets that he had to deal with, you almost develop some bad habits that you have to unlearn once you get to the NFL because you don't have the time that he had. You, you can't just sit back there all day wow. going through your progressions. You have to get that ball out quickly and you have to basically work from being uncomfortable is kind of the baseline for a quarterback in the league. So you just didn't get to see that. And when C.J. Stroud was pressured, it was a lot worse than when Will Levis was pressured. So that's probably the biggest dis- difference between the two and why trend towards Levis is just that NFL readiness, the NFL translatability. Now, with that being said, another one of those names, you, you mentioned Young, Stroud, Levis, the other guy that's in that mix. And, I mean, it, it differs. You can talk to this guy, yep. and he's not a first-round pick. This guy, he's the first overall pick, and Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. What, does anybody know? <laughs> who this guy is? Do we know where he's going to be? I, mean, I think everyone knows what he is, but it's what he is going to be going is, to be, is the right. actual question that it's like, man, he is so far away. And that's, that's fine. Like, that's, he's not the first guy to come into the NFL not necessarily ready. And there's reasons why. He's played one year at quarterback. Right. It's, it's a rarity. Uh, there's not a great track record of guys with one year of collegiate play to then translate to the NFL. So it's, it was, I was very surprised he declared in the first place. But you just look at him physically and what he brings to the table, and it's different. It, it, it is high-end as it gets, uh, not only as a passer in terms of the arm strength, but as a runner, he is in that tier with a Justin Fields, with a Lamar Jackson that if you get him heavily involved in the running game, you're going to have a high floor because your running game is going to be very, very dynamic then. With that being said, the NFL, it is a non-patient league anymore. Yeah. You, you, it's almost, you get a guy, he has to step in right now and be mm-hmm. the guy. A guy like Anthony Richardson, you talk about how he's got a long way to go to kind of get to where that point where he's playing at that level consistently. Yeah. Where is that balance? Do you think a team is going to give him the amount of time? Or is that, is that what's the most important part about this whole process is finding that right team who has the time to wait on him? That is such an important part of the process is like, giving him the situation to develop, allowing him. Because if you're you're only, you know, year two and he's not there yet and you're giving up on him, I think you're doing him a disservice. I think you're doing your franchise a disservice just because of that. That's your plan when drafting him. And that's why I don't necessarily see him. There's that hype around the number one overall pick. I just don't see that because number one overall pick starts right away. I I don't care who you are. If you're the number one overall pick, you're expected to start right away. And I'm not sure – I would love Richardson to do that, but I think you could see him eased in kind of how the Bears eased Justin Fields in this year. Fields was one of the worst passers in the NFL this, even this season. Yeah. But his rushing ability, the fact that they were <laughs> right. so run heavy, made them still like not the worst offense. I think they were like 22nd in EPA per play. So with the t- terrible talent around him, they were still okay. You know, still better than the Colts so, <laughs> offensively. So I, I think that's one thing that um, could play in his favor is that if you just really buy into him as a running threat, uh, you don't necessarily have to put him in the worst situations as a passer right now. Can, you, can we go back to something you said? It was kind of a little bit of a, a throwaway remark, but I kind of caught on to it. Uh, with, with Richardson, why is he coming out? That's a good question. I mean, money, right? Like, you, well, <laughs> he uh, yeah. could have been the number one overall pick. but I, like next I just year. mean, like, next year, why doesn't he continue to grow and then be the number one guy next year? I think you just objectively look at this class and next year's class and, and say next year Drake May and Caleb Williams – would already be QB 1-2 in this year's class, yeah. in my opinion. If they were able to come out, if mm-hmm. the NFL got away with the restrictions, they would be the number one and number two overall picks in this class. They're that good as quarterbacks. So he's looking at that and saying, 
you know, I could make a massive leap, but would I jump those guys? I don't know. I, I probably got a, he probably got a first round grade. I'm assuming he got a first round grade from the advisory board. And he's just like, I'll come this year. Right. Right. And, and obviously it's probably not the best for his development to be this raw coming in the NFL, but He's going to make a lot of money even if he sucks in the NFL because he's going to be a top-ten pick. Yeah. All right, Mike Renner is with us, lead NFL draft analyst from Pro Football Focus. You know, we've talked to a lot of people. I think this is the first time I have brought up this name, Stetson Bennett. I know he's 32 years old, <laughs> um, but he's going to be a rookie. Now. I mean, can he, can he play in the league? I mean, I know he's not in the conversation of the top four guys, which we've beaten ourselves over the head with, but – you, you understand what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, is he a guy that can play, translate at all? I think so. Uh, if, you know, Brock Purdy can play in the league, I, yeah. I don't see why a guy like Stetson Bennett can't. He has as much experience against top defenses as anyone in he's this a draft as the quarterback position. <laughs> and, and and he's an underrated athlete, too. I think you get him involved in the run game. We saw that at Georgia. Like, he's got some straight-line speed. I think he might go, like, 4-5 something here at the combine. Like, he can actually move. So... Yeah, he's short, too. You know, that's not going to be in his favor. But I think he's a guy you probably get to, you know, if Ian Book was a fourth-rounder. Uh, I know as a Notre Dame fan, I was floored when that happened. I think Stetson Bennett can go in a similar sort of range. <laughs> wow. All right. I, I was thinking more undrafted free agent. Oh, no, I, I think he's getting drafted for sure. Do you uh, really? Truthfully, yeah. Um, now, obviously, just because of the value of backup quarterbacks, you know, teams will play, pay yeah. 8 to $10 million for a backer, you know, somewhere in that range for the backup type of quarterbacks that, uh, I think you'd feel pretty confident in him mm -hmm. as a backup just based off his track record, even if you're not going to get high end from him yeah. expecting anything special. But I think you feel good about him being a, being you know that spot starter if need be. Yeah. All right, last couple of things with you, Mike. I mean, I, I saw your top running back, Bijan Robinson. Um, he's probably one of the best players in this draft. But, again, he plays running back. Is, mm -hmm. is he worthy of a first-round pick? Uh, yeah, so I have, like, three guys that I've called blue chips in this draft class, like kind of in that – I don't want to say can't miss range, but if they're healthy on the football field, I'd be very surprised if they weren't, you know, Pro Bowl type players. It's yeah. Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, and it's Bijan Robinson. Um, what's too high for him? I'm of the opinion that you can take a running back in the first round, but you better have the ecosystem in place already. You don't take a running back in the first round expecting him himself to turn around your running game. You take a running back in the first round if you already have the good offensive line, if you already have the running game that he then takes it to that unstoppable level that defense has to account for. That you know, Derrick Henry level mm -hmm. that, that's what you that's where you draft to Bijan Robinson is if you already have kind of that dominant offensive line that then makes everything easier and then takes your rushing game to that uh elite level now staying with running back definitely one of the most devalued positions at the NFL level and mm -hmm. a lot of times it all comes down to do you pay him that second contract I want to play kind of the other side of the coin. If you draft them in the first round, you get that fifth year. Is that really enticing for teams because you can look at the, the running back life and say we get him for five years and then we can move on and get our next guy? I don't think so because the fifth year option because of the way after the new CBA, how it changed in that that guy makes one Pro Bowl, his fifth year option right. is basically a tag. And so I don't think it's anything like the Josh Jacobs fifth year option was – like a million dollar difference between that and the tag so you're really not saving yourself that much uh, on that fifth year with running back position all right can we go rapid fire real quick story wrap out all right uh, give me a guy at the following positions that is underrated for you you're you're following yeah. how he's testing and and you're going to keep uh tabs on him all the way up until the draft give me a wide out that's sort of under the radar you you really want to see him test well i will go to bat for michael wilson from stanford uh, okay i am a sucker for 
guys who can get off the line of scrimmage really well, guys with good releases, because that's something that translates to the NFL level right away. If you can get off the line of scrimmage, you can get open at the NFL level, in my opinion. And he's got some of the best releases in this draft class. So massive injury history. Um, I think he's only played like 14 games the last three years. Truthful. Wow. Um, so he's really banged up. But he's got size. He's like 216 pounds, 6'2", 216, and he's a great route runner. So right. that's a guy that if you can get day three because of that injury history, ooh, I'd love that. Upside. All right, pass rusher. Ooh, a pass rusher in this draft class. Um, tackle, defense tackle, or edge? Edge. Which, edge, okay. I, I will say... Hmm. Felix Anudike Uzama. I think he's got, a great name. Yeah, great name. <laughs> Kansas State edge rusher. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up sneaking up into the first round um, just because his get off is great and he actually knows how to rush the passer right. Like he has moves, okay. is well, is far along in his development. He's not a guy that you're banking on or having to coach up and having to teach him stuff. Like he's going to, day one of the NFL, have a pass rushing package that can win. So that's a guy I'm a fan of. All right, last one, offensive tackle. Offensive tackle. In this draft class, I don't love the tackle draft class, but I do think Dewan Jones is getting a little underrated, the Ohio State offensive tackle. He's enormous. I, mean, he's, I think he's going to be like the biggest offensive <laughs> Sounds tackle. Sounds weird to say, right? He's, he's 6'9", 375. Oh! He's got a 7'5 wingspan. Um, he's huge. Uh, but he moves, and he doesn't move great, obviously. At that size, it's impossible to. Mm-hmm. But he plays with great balance, and he's, like, skilled. And as much as tackle is, you know, you have to have kind of the requisite traits, so you have to have the size, length, feet, foot speed, whatever, it's still so much of a skilled position. It's how you use your hands. It's yeah. how you get into position, and he does that already. And so yeah. uh, it reminds me a lot of Orlando Brown coming out where okay. Orlando Brown tested awfully, yeah. falls to the third round. I think Dewan Jones is not going to turn any heads with his athletic testing. Right. Might fall to the second round. But he just knows how to block guys and pass around. So I'm a fan of this. All right. He lives in Cincinnati, went to school in South Bend. He's in Indianapolis. Are you Are you from the Midwest, too? I was born in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay, then yeah. Grew up in Champaign, Illinois. Then yes. Oh, I've yeah. been all over. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. My brother used to live in Indy. Uh, okay. I love the city. So, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Sorry. So then you're familiar with what's going on here then, right? Yeah. Fantastic. That's Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus. Like I said, it's great to meet you and talk to you for the first time. And, uh, again, thanks for this chance to talk some draft. For sure, fellas. Thanks for having me on.